Hello there, and welcome to another episode of Tell Me What You Do podcast. So excited for you to be tuning in today. I'm mega, mega pumped for this episode. I have one of my best, 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 best friends on the show today. Her name is Sarah, and she is a speech-language pathologist, and she is just the coolest. She is so smart and so well-spoken and just such a cool person overall. And I think when you're listening to it, you are going to hear just how much fun we had recording this. So, a little fun backstory about this episode. What you're about to hear was actually the very first episode ever recorded for Tell Me What You Do podcast. And it is actually just supposed to be a test run. Sarah and I met up on a trip that she was doing, and I said, hey, can I interview you? I think I want to start a podcast. And she said yes, and we had been sitting around a campfire, and we had had maybe a lot of wine and a lot of drink or whatever you want to say. And I said, let's do this. And we got into her dad's minivan, and we just sat, and we talked and talked and talked, and I asked her a million questions about things that... I had no idea about, even though we have been, like, best buds for as long as I can remember now. And it was just super fun, and she's just so smart and shared so much valuable information that I said, you know what, this has to be a full episode, and that is it. Bada-bing, bada-boom. Here we go. So, I'm super excited for you to hear that. But, before we get into the show, I just want to say if you are enjoying this podcast so far, it would be super cool of you. I mean, like, super cool. Like, so cool, like, Regina George cool, except you're not mean. And, like, this is, like, you're Katie Heron cool. Because you're not a mean girl, you're, like, the nice girl who fixes everything. It would be super cool. Like, cool, like, below freezing cool. If you could just go onto iTunes, swipe that up, and write, a quick little review, give us maybe five stars if you're feeling super fancy, super nice, because that is just going to help so much with getting more shows and more traction and more cool guests and just more cool stuff in general. So thank you in advance for doing that because I know you're going to go do it because you're super cool. Alrighty, so without too much further ado, let's get out of here. Let's get this show on the road. I hope that you learn a ton from this episode, or if anything, I just hope you're able to have as much fun listening to it as Sarah and I did recording it. Here it goes. My name is Sarah, and this is what I do. I don't know what to do. This whole career thing's got me so confused. I went to school and got good grades, just like they told me to. Well, maybe if you told me what you do, I'd choose a cool job to pursue. If you're a psychic, that's cool, I'll leave choosing up to you. Anyways, now tell me what you do. So, I don't really know how I'm going to start these. <laughs> I know, you don't like... really have like a catchphrase yet. I don't. So how would I start? Basically like... What's up, bitches? Right. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) And that's how it's going to start. Okay. Alrighty. So, welcome. Thank you guys for listening. If you're tuning in, that's really exciting because this is a real shot in the dark. But today, I have Sarah with me. And I'm really excited. Sarah is one of my lifelong friends. And honestly, she has a really interesting job. 
and a really interesting job title. I know it's required a lot of school, but I don't really fully know what you do. And I'm excited to do a little deep dive today. Yeah, so, I'm excited to share. Yes. Uh, so, Sarah, tell me what you do. All right. Well, my name is Sarah, and I am a speech-language pathologist, or more commonly known as a speech therapist. So fancy. Super fancy. Paid yes. a lot of money for the fancy title. I bet you did. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we're going to get into breaking down a little bit of what that is and do kind of a little bit of a, some games and stuff, and you can really awesome. explain what you do. Cool. I'm excited. Um, but my first question is, how much school did you have to go to for speech therapy? Yeah, so um, surprise, you need a master's degree. Didn't know that when I went in for a bachelor's. Thought you only <laughs> needed four years of school. You actually need six. Ooh, so. I actually never do that. Yeah, no, that was a fun surprise junior year of college when I was like, wait, I'm not done? Oh, good. <laughs> That's super cool. And so, so throughout your classes. We've never really talked about this, but like, what do you actually do through your school? Throughout so, school? so in school, um, the first couple of years you're taking introductory classes. So a lot of it is, um, you're learning the foundations of speech. You take something called phonetics, which is the, um, breakdown of sound and you do, you transcribe speech, um, using the phonetic alphabet, um, so you get a real understanding of the way everything sounds. So we learn as we grow up what the alphabet sounds like. So A says ah, but it can also say ah. There are two different symbols in the phonetic alphabet for that. Is that like the A with like the the, the hard line and mm -hmm. then the curvy line and the yeah, dots and it, the little squigglies? Exactly. So oh. it's like a whole different language. So you are learning about all these different types of sounds rather than your classic alphabet that you have grown up with. Uh, so can you sing us the phonetic alphabet? <laughs> Does it sound like Do you have a couple thing? hours? There's <laughs> a lot of sounds. <laughs> yes, let's do this. Yeah, right. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. That'd so be interesting that's, challenge. that's essentially undergrad. Right? Yeah, so that's undergrad. You're basically gaining the foundations. You're learning the types of populations of people that you're going to be working with. Um, and you're learning the basic information that you need in order to have a better understanding of the direction you're heading in, um, which could kind of go for every major, I guess. That's a broad way of describing it. Yeah. Um, but you're, you're getting a basic understanding of the way sounds work, the way language is used, um, the different disorders that can happen within communication. Um, and that leads you up to your master's? And it leads you up to your master's. So for undergrad, for me, I had, um, an internship my senior year and that was the last like two three months of school okay. I had an internship in a school setting um, so that's like student teaching equivalent uh -huh. um, where we're doing speech therapy in a school um, getting your feet wet. yeah exactly yeah. and it's super helpful and not all programs do that so it's important to look for that yeah, when you're I didn't applying have that. I also was an English major, so I don't know what my internship would have been. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how that would have worked, but that would have been cool. Yeah. Oh, in whatever. Here, write a book. Please, yeah. <laughs> anyways, anyways. So you did your internship. Mm -hmm. And then that preps you for your master's. Master's is when you get to nitty gritty. You are learning anything and everything related to speech language. Okay. So quick side question. Mm -hmm. I know that you said, I remember when you were finishing up your undergrad, 
you essentially told me that if you didn't get a master's, you're kind of screwed. Yeah. Like there's, there's, is there like one job or zero jobs that you can do with a, just an undergrad bachelor's degree? Yeah. So that's a great question. There are jobs that you can do. You can be, um, an SLPA, which is a speech pathology assistant, Oh, okay. Um, which is an awesome way to get your feet wet, yeah. but it's, you're working under the supervision of a speech pathologist and it's a harder job to come by. You would find that in a wealthier town mm. where the speech pathologist has a big caseload and needs someone to help her manage the caseload. She'd be in charge, but you would be doing the activities, seeing the clients. Um, you would be doing assessments, that type of a thing. Mm. Um, but you would not be the one responsible. It's also a pay cut for you. Mm. So you don't make as much as the speech pathologist would. And you have a, a pretty good base amount of knowledge. So it's kind of like, why not keep going? Exactly. Obviously, there's financial stuff. and Yeah, and, and whether you get into not. grad school or not, that's a big oh, thing. Because it's true. very competitive. Yeah. Um, so if you don't get into grad school, your first time around, um, you're better off working as an SLPA. Uh, because you are going to be learning a lot more and it shows that you have experience and it's yeah. going to make you more valuable to a grad school program. Maybe like a year in later. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Okay, so let's go to grad school. Sure. So you went to grad school, that's what, two years? Yep. Three years. It's two years. It okay. was two years for me because I had an undergrad in communication disorders, which is the broad title for speech pathology. Ah. That's the major that you would go in for. Okay. Um, communication disorders or communication sciences. So two years is longer or shorter than if you had two a different major? Two years is shorter. So if a lot of the other girls that, and it's a majority girls, fun fact, that are speech pathologists. <laughs> um, I think we had two boys out of like 50 of us. Yes, but boys, you can also be speech pathologists. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't discriminate. We want you. <laughs> yeah. You're more oh, valuable I, I than bet. us. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. You're a hot yeah. commodity. You'll get right in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And if you're looking for a girlfriend. In more ways than one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So you... So if you don't have that undergrad degree, um, you would be in a three-year program. It's high intensity. It's much more difficult because you're trying to fit everything that was in those four years of undergrad into your first year of oh, grad school. holy crap. So it's a lot. And you can do it. It's... It's not to deter you, but it is a lot Way more challenging. It, it's a lot more challenging. Wow. Wow. Okay. So yeah. go you. You are a super genius. Nope. Nope. Not even super a little. Super proud of you because <laughs> now you're working and you do this, yeah. which we're going to get to. Um, but first I want to spice <coughs> things up mildly. Ooh, love it. So I have a little bit of a game. Love games. That I want to play. A little nervous. Yep. So you're going to have to take off your pants. Oh, not again. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> so this game, so big part of speech pathology. Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry if I like mess up any of the terms because I okay. really don't good. know what I'm talking about. Um, but I know that you analyze voices. Yes. I love yeah. that your, your old Instagram biography was, what was it? Like silently, silently correcting, correcting your grammar? Your yep. Okay. <laughs> Which stuck with me because I then imagined that you're always correcting the way that I'm pronouncing my words. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm sure. A gift and a curse. Yes. Mostly a curse. <laughs> so what I wanted to do was play really short little bursts of kind of well-known voices that might be a little bit outside the norm. Okay. And I'd love for you to tell us what 
is going on with that person's voice. Okay. So you're down? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do okay. it. Okay. So just the voice breakdown, not necessarily what's wrong with it, but just what's going on. You could tell me everything. Okay. As long uh, as it doesn't take 10 years. That's fair. All right. Yeah. That's fair. The condensed version. The condensed milk version. Okay. Now, granted, I haven't done this in a hot minute, so I might be a little rusty, but I'm very excited to try. Excellent. <laughs> you know this was our oh, first one. Oh, we're starting one. with Brit Brit. I love it. Yes. So, no surprise here, our first one's Britney Spears. I'm a huge Britney Spears fan. <laughs> um, Which everyone should know. And everyone should be. Yeah. Preach. Preach to Brit. Mm. Okay. So we're gonna play a little snippet here. How was I supposed to know that something wasn't right? I shouldn't have let you go. And now you're right outside. So can you tell me what is going on with Britt's voice? Cause she has that kind of sexy growl. She yeah, oh that's a good way of putting it. So what Britney Spears does, and actually a lot of people I think have emulated Britney Spears, she has a very aspirate voice. So what that means is that her vocal folds, normally they come together when you're talking. Like when I'm talking right now, your vocal folds are coming together in a wave-like um, manner. and Like they're smacking together? Yeah, but the, it's it's more gentle than that. They shouldn't be smacking together. If they're smacking together, maybe you should see a speech pathologist. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but what she's doing is she's leaving a space between her two vocal folds, and I'm showing this with my hands because I do use a lot of visuals, yeah. which so isn't great for a podcast. Her hands are about like a like a, a quarter of an inch apart. Yeah. So. When they're coming together in a wave, it's like they're doing the worm together, <laughs> <laughs> essentially. Yeah. But when Britney's singing, she leaves a space between her vocal folds. So they'll come together so that she can create a sound and you can hear it. But she leaves a lot of space between her vocal folds. So normally when you're talking right now, they are coming together to make that vibration to okay. create the sound. She leaves a space between her vocal folds. Ah, so she's got so this air, there's air quality. Yeah, there's air flowing through. Exactly. There's an got air it. that's coming through. She also does this thing called glottal fry, which I'm doing a little bit because it's late in the day and my vocal folds are tired. Okay. It's that Kardashian. Uh, oh, my God. There it is. That's a glottal fry. I'm going to do the rest of the show in this. Boy. Oh, God, my biggest pet peeve. And not that it does anything. This is not outwardly damaging to your vocal folds, but it's for a speech pathologist, it's so annoying. <laughs> I mean, it's lazy uh, vocal uh, folds. It's uh, lazy. It means you're tired and you're lazy because okay. it's your vocal folds coming together and it's like you just don't even care. So those are like smacking together. It, it's, it's like you're not putting in any energy. Okay. Because, so I'm tired. It's the end of the day. So yeah. I'm tired. So I'm not putting as much energy as I would if it was the beginning of the day and I'm feeling energetic like, like yeah. this. So it's like when you go I'm to tired. yoga class and you're in yoga class and mm -hmm. they're like, okay, downward dog. And you're like, mm, I'm just going to like hold this like lazy plank for a few minutes. Yep. Yep. It's Got it. It's a lot like that. So she does a glottal sound, which can also be very sexy. And that's a thing that a lot of singers do. It's also yeah. very easy to control because that's an easy thing to do with your vocal folds. Got it. So, Brittany, aspirate. Mm-hmm. 
Glottifry. And that's and she's got kind of a nasal higher register quality. Cool. So all right. So our next that's one. That's our girl. We love Brit. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have one more question on Brit, actually. Please ask. I'm not gonna get to anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> Should have started with somebody I don't like so much. No. But okay, love Brittany, my mm-hmm. queen. The queen. But is the aspirate voice, the glottal fry, especially the aspirate voice, mm-hmm. is that something that people Maybe if they don't have as much of a vocal range, which I love, love Brittany, but I know she doesn't. Mm-hmm. And is that something that's a little bit, she may rely on the aspirate oh, voice 100%. because she doesn't have as much of a range? Yeah, that's a really good point to bring up. That's, that's a, I think that's something that a lot of pop singers use these days because cool. you don't need to have a wide range. As long as you can sing within that pop range, which is a couple of notes yeah. or a couple of octaves, um, it's very easy to make it sound better by letting more air out or by adding a glottal frag or a, a sexy quality. Sexy. Yeah. Oh. So you don't need to try as hard to sound necessarily. You don't need the Mariah good. range. Exactly. Got exactly. It. Because you've got this kind of aspirate quality that's interesting rather than technically profound. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> got it. Okay. So our next one, another queen. We're sticking with a lot of divas here. Shakira. Uh, so I'm going to play. Queen. Yes, another queen. I'm going to play a quick little burst of Underneath Your Clothes from the amazing album Laundry Service. Okay, so what's Shakira doing? Because when I listen to Shakira, and I love Shakira, mm-hmm. I cannot help but replicate that. And I do it with Britney, too. But yep. Shakira especially. Yes. I'm driving in the car, and I'm like, <laughs> and I'm dramatic <laughs> about it. Mm-hmm. But what's she doing? Because it's I've heard interviews, and she doesn't sound like that when she speaks. Right. She's got a really delicate, cute voice. Yeah. And then she sings, and it's like, whoa. Yeah. So what Shakira's actually doing is... Um, effectively yodeling oh so roll with me here i am because i've never thought of shakira as a yodeler but <laughs> right? i love it <laughs> right she's no walmart kid but she, <laughs> what she's doing is she's switching between her higher register and her lower register so what oh. that means in layman's terms you have two different types of voices so right now i'm in my chest voice this is my speaking voice this is me like just chatting with a friend yeah but if I were to put on my phone voice, I would go into oh more of a yes. head voice. It's a higher register, and it's what a lot of people use for singing because um, it's uh, it's a little bit easier to get into that. You have more access pleasant. to your range yeah. if you're in your this higher register. Mm-hmm. When you're in your chest voice, it's great for belting out those notes like she does. Yes. <laughs> and it's a lot easier. But what she's doing is she's switching back and forth and yodeling is going from that high register to the low register back and forth rapidly. She does it in a much sexier, throw in some glottal fry, higher register, you've got that aspirate sound, but then you get into your chest voice and it's really deep and she's belting it out because she's got that thick sound. (sighs) So she's switching back and forth. Queen. Queen Shakira, sexy yodeling. Sexy yodeling. Hashtag sexy yodeling. Hashtag sexy yodeling. I love it. Okay, so our (laughs) next one. As long as it loads, because we have shitty service out here. 
Oh, that's true. It loaded. Oh, yes. <laughs> okay, so this next one I had to pull up on YouTube. And I'm just going to play it for you first, even though I think you saw it already. I didn't. I'm excited, though. Oh. <laughs> so I literally, <laughs> literally just pulled up a video that is titled... Pee Wee Herman's laugh. Oh my god. <laughs> and it's seven seconds long. Do you want to hear it again? I would like to. Okay. <laughs> Do you need to hear more of Pee Wee to analyze him? God, like I don't want to have to. But you're so, gonna. Uh, yeah, let's let's go one more time just for fun. Oh, I meant do you need to hear him speak? Oh, ooh, yes, please. Oh wait, this is just a minute and a half compilation. Of Pee-wee laughing. I get the gist, though. He does a similar thing to Kermit the Frog, where you're kind of going into this, right? We're going to get to impressions in a minute. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> that was no. good. So, this is a tricky thing to explain. A Pee-wee Herman laugh. So, or a Pee-wee Herman Or just a anything. Pee-wee Herman yeah. voice. So, I'm when trying you're... to prep my Halloween costume. Oh, Ooh. Need to be All right, theatrical. stay out of neighborhoods, though. <laughs> <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> so what Pee Wee Herman's doing is he's going in to the back of his voice. So right now, right now, the way I'm speaking, I'd like you to imagine I'm in like the middle the of my of mouth. mouth. Oh, okay. Middle to front. So okay. I'm, I'm using... When you're in the back of your mouth, you've got this wider sound. So think like a church singer. Think like an opera singer. It's kind of back here. Okay. Uh, like I. So I can see you pulling your chin in a little. Yeah. So anybody listening should totally be doing this too. Yeah. Pull your chin in yourself. a little. <laughs> I do that because it helps me get into the mindset of bringing it to the back. When I was in chorus as a kid, my chorus teacher said to imagine the sound coming through your throat, but instead of coming out of your mouth and your nose, it's coming through the top of your head. It gives you a wider sound. So. Okay. It's this wide, full sound. Now, in addition to that, he's doing a very thick vocal fold sound. So that, <laughs> yeah. So what you're actually doing, you have a set of true vocal folds, which is what I'm using right now to talk. Those are the muscles that are coming together. They're vibrating so that you hear the sound. Yeah. When you go, <laughs> you're bringing your false vocal folds together. So are we like stifling so, them a little? So what it is is. Um, you've got your true vocal folds, and then right above them and toward the sides, you've got a set of false vocal folds. It's extra muscle uh. that, you know when Louis Armstrong sings and he's like, what, what a wonderful yeah. He's essentially singing with his false vocal folds, uh. which is not necessarily correct, and wouldn't necessarily recommend doing that long Damaging term. Damaging in the long term? It's, it's a strain on your muscles. And if you're not using your true vocal folds the way they're intended and you're instead using your false vocal folds, that can be a compensatory strategy if you have some sort of damage. But otherwise, you don't need to be using your false vocal folds to communicate. But hmm. that's, I think, what he's doing. And, and granted, I'm not a voice disorders or a voice specialist, and that's something I would totally check in with a voice specialist about. But I believe that's how you get that thick vocal fold sound. Hmm. And he might be doing something different, but it does sound a lot like he's bringing his false vocal folds together to get that kind of <laughs> sound. Cool. But 
I mean, cool. I don't know if it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's kind of cool. I mean, yeah. is Pee Wee Herman cool? Can we call him that? Sure. Mm, let's move on. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> so I do want to do one more really quick. Yeah, please. And taking it into a realm that we both love, if I can find a good clip of it. Oh, I'm excited. Okay. So <laughs> took me a minute there to find the clip, but in the realm <laughs> that we both love, we both are Disney freaks, Hugely. Disney nerds, mm -hmm. Diz nerds, as we may call ourselves. So, <laughs> Donald Duck. I'm going to play a real Duck. quick clip that took me about 45 minutes to find. <laughs> Ready? Yep. Everybody listen up. I just want to get one more acceptance album. What? Did anyone get any of that? It's mostly context clues. We get like every third word. <laughs> okay, that was actually a really good clip. It's a perfect example. <laughs> that was funny. So, Donald, we can never understand what he's saying. No. I mean, sometimes. He's always angry. But beside the fact that he's a duck and he's talking, let's get real about what his voice is doing. Yeah. Because I don't get it. So, I didn't understand Donald Duck for a long time either. What he's doing, it's less about his voice and it's more about the way he articulates. So, there's a differentiation between the two. Voice has to do with your vocal folds, so that's the way those muscles are coming together to create sound. But your articulators are your tongue, your teeth, um, the inner workings of your mouth, your lips. Those are all the things that make specific sounds. So your vocal folds are your sound source. Okay. So imagine if I were to say, ah. Uh, uh. mm -hmm. Now if you were to bring your... Um, your front teeth to your lip, and if you were to say, uh, uh, that's using your articulators to create a specific sound. So you just created the ah uh sound mixed with the f uh, sound. Uh, All right, so you're using your articulators to make a specific sound. You've got your vibration source in your throat, yep. and then your mouth is where you're going to create meaning from that vibration. With Donald Duck, He's using some crazy mechanisms with his articulators. So he's got a lot of saliva in his mouth, first Ew. and foremost. Yeah. Get that you, you hear how wet his voice sounds when he yeah. talks. What he has is like an exaggerated lateral lisp mixed with some other very wonky speech impediment sounds. I don't, I don't quite know how to do it myself. And okay, that's, that's fine. Some, that's something that really bothers me as a speech path is that I really would love to be able to do that. Do the Donald voice, yeah. Yeah, but I you can't. You could probably do the other Donald voice. <laughs> no, you're wrong. No. But... <laughs> so what he's doing is a lateral lisp is when um, you're trying to say your S sound. So you're... The tip of your tongue is coming right behind your front teeth. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. If you have a lateral lisp, you're going... Shh. So, oh. so the air is escaping through the sides of your mouth instead of the front. Your tongue... <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was terrible. I mean, but it was the same idea. <laughs> yeah. So his tongue is, instead of being in the correct place for an S, it's laying flat and the air is escaping through the sides. Lazy tongue. Lazy, uh, lazy tongue. Yeah, Got exactly. It. And then plus he, a lot of other stuff. Plus a lot of saliva and some other like weird mouth things that are happening. Cool. 
Imagine if you had a beak and you tried to say suffering sassafras. I mean, that's probably got to be difficult. I imagine that is true. <laughs> well, very interesting. Yeah. I understand, sort of. I mean, I'm same. clearly still not an expert, but I get it a little. Me neither, but, you know, we learn together. Yes. <laughs> so, moving on slightly. Yeah. The thing I want to talk about is kind of this idea of certain voices with certain groups and certain people. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I'm the type of person who, a lot of times I pick the phone up, I either get mammed, and if I mm-hmm. don't get mammed, I think they're pretty quickly like, oh, like, he's gay. <laughs> because, and I don't, I, this is just naturally how I talk, mm-hmm. I think. I'm yeah. sure there's been, like, media influences and things that have changed the way I've talked and things like that. But is there anything that you've studied behind that that would cause, like, for example, the quote-unquote gay lisp or yeah. something like that. Yeah, so actually, I've read a couple of articles about this, and um, there's a, a great documentary about getting Pause. rid of... Make me sound straight. <laughs> Just kidding, <laughs> keep going, I'm so sorry. No, I love it. No, but there's a great documentary on Netflix, and I, I wish I could remember the name, but it's about getting rid of the quote-unquote gay lisp. Oh, wow. But... There's so much more Guys, to... Guys, you don't need to. It's okay. Be yourself. Love yourself. <laughs> well, and I'm... It, this isn't me promoting getting rid of it. Of but course. The way I, I see it and what I've, from what I've learned is um, if you're a gay male, you... And this isn't always... This is... I don't mean to generalize, but... Of course. Yeah. There is a chance that you are more interested in um, maybe some more feminine things or you have maybe more feminine influences. And this is not totally for true. everyone. Totally true. up on Britney and Spice Girls. Well, exactly. So, yeah. and this, I mean, this isn't everybody. So I want to just make that clear. Yeah. Um, Lumberjack gays, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. All the way. I fully support. Um, but with, a f- with having feminine role models you're likely to adapt to some of those behaviors or ah. follow in some of their footsteps. Yeah. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to talk like this all the time. Oh, my God. Right. But what you might do is change the way you stress some of your words. So, for example, the way a woman speaks, we usually end on a question. We usually raise the... The end of a sentence. Yeah. So I just like, did it. Exactly. So you stress the end of a sentence to be more higher because you're questioning it. Uh, it's almost, I mean, not to look too far into it, but like a lack of confidence. Not a lack of confidence, but it's, it's a vulnerability. Like, yeah. It's, it's uh, you don't want to come off too strong. Ah. It's, and there's a lot of different psychological components to that, just in terms of the communicative part of it. Um, that's the way you stress and your intonation of each word plays a lot more into it than rather the way you articulate it. So not every gay guy says their S like yeah. their gay S. Yeah. Oh my God, you're that, good at that. <laughs> I'm speech path. Yeah. But, <laughs> but a lot of it has to do with the way you stress your words. So women tend to speak a lot quicker. Gay men tend to speak a lot quicker. And oh, it's yeah. And it, it's not everybody, but... Um, that does seem to be a comparison. A yeah, it's a trend between the two. Yeah, a trend, not a rule. Exactly. And women are more talkative, and you see gay men are 
yeah, typically a typically little bit more talkative than like the, the hetero man. Exactly. Totally. Exactly. So that's where you get kind of a discrepancy because your average straight man is probably going to be speaking less often. Mm-hmm. It's going to be less expressive just because <gasps> that's the way they've been. Yeah. They've been trained to socialized, be like that. Yeah. Socialized to be that way. Um, and they are very assertive in the way that they use the stress in their words. Wow. So when they end a sentence, they end a sentence. It's much more this assertive. This is it. Not yeah. This is it. Right. And it doesn't necessarily mean aggressive, but they don't, it's, they stress their words differently. Yeah. So if you wanted to sound more heteronormative, you may want to, I know, so boring, <laughs> but if you wanted to, you can work on using your words more slowly, using less words, um, and ending with a more assertive uh, final Tone. stress to the word. Yeah. This is it. Exactly. Rather than this, this is the... it. Oh, yeah. Wow, I do that. But that, that's interesting. That's very, very interesting. That's a common thread. That okay. And obviously that's not, that's not all of it. Right, right. There's plenty more. For so sure. give Sarah a call if you want to learn some more. I'll give you her digits. <laughs> Just give me a message. <laughs> Put the link to the uh, yeah. Netflix documentary. You can learn all from that. <laughs> Boom. Okay, so the next thing I want to talk to you about is a little bit more of your day-to-day. Okay. And the way I kind of want to go into this is through a story you told me that is is not really related to the voice and the way that people use the voice mm-hmm. as much as it is about communication. Yeah. And you love, I love, the 1993 classic Hocus Pocus starring... <sighs> Bette Midler, Catherine Najimy, Sarah Jessica Parker, Mm. Amor Katz, Vanessa Shaw, (laughs) Thora Birch, and the list goes on. It's amazing. Incredible. It's the best. Mm -hmm. There's no movie I love more. But anyways, (laughs) I could do a whole show about that too. (laughs) I want to be on that one. (laughs) Yeah, Bette, come talk to us. Uh, But you told me a story like uh, two Halloweens ago maybe. Mm -hmm. And you were kind of fresh into working in the schools. And you told me about a girl who you were working with, who I believe was, like, on the autism spectrum. Mm -hmm. And I want to kind of tread lightly here. I don't want to say anything, put my foot in my mouth. Mm -hmm. But you use the term scripting. Yeah. Now, I know I do this because I can quote that movie front to back, but (laughs) I know it's probably very different. It it is. So what I hear is, like, you know, when I'm looking for my book, I say, Bonjour. Je veux mon livre. <laughs> Hello, I want my book. <laughs> yes. That is obviously much different than what happens in this scenario. Yeah. Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah. So what you're talking about is your love of this movie, and that's something you've watched a million times. So by now it's just rote memorized, those lines, and it's something you love, so you hang on to it. When I'm working with my students, so I work in a school, and I work specifically in an autism um, classroom where we've got a bunch of different students that are on the spectrum in one form or another. They could be low functioning and be using only scripting, which I'll explain, or they could be relatively typically functioning, but they need some help with um, social language. So in terms of scripting, this is a really common theme with kids with autism spectrum disorder. Um, 
because their rote memorization is a lot stronger than their expressive language, they'll incorporate their uh, memorized lines into everyday life. Now, this can be an effective thing, and sometimes it can be um, kind of a detrimental thing. thing yeah. yeah. So for the student that you're speaking of, and I have this line memorized from the movie just because I've seen it a million times. <laughs> oh my god, I remember it. You do it. I don't want to. Are you steal sure your you could do it? You could <laughs> no, do it. It's all you. It's all you. <laughs> <laughs> so she walks in. It's around Halloween time. She had just watched Hocus Pocus. Now with a student with ASD, they can memorize. What does that stand for? Autism Spectrum Disorder. Oh, Sorry. okay. Um, just quicker. <laughs> um, so for a student with ASD, they can watch a movie and three minutes later, they'll be quoting a whole scene. Wow. But they can't tell you if they have to go to the bathroom. Ah. And that's, that's not everyone, but that's, that can be can the be a case a lot occurrence. of the time. Yeah. Where they, they can't necessarily tell you how they feel or what's going on in their mind, but they can quote a movie. So they have this expressive language ability, but it's not functional. So for her, the student, it's around Halloween. She had just seen Hocus Pocus, and she comes into my room, and she goes, and she's under her breath. She's going, ah, my lucky rat tail, just, just where I left, left it. it. <laughs> <laughs> and I got all excited because I love Hocus Pocus, and I had that line memorized too. Yeah. The difference is I could use that if we were talking about the movie, and if I introduce that as oh my favorite scene is when sarah jessica parker is back and she's young and she reaches up in the rafters and pulls down her rat tail yeah. and says that i can introduce it i can say it within context whereas my student just walked into my room to have an average speech lesson hadn't even said hi to me yet and is saying and that didn't make eye contact with me didn't get uh. my attention is waiting for she's not waiting for me She's just Got saying it. it because she's going through the motion of saying it. It just uh, feels good for her to perseverate on that. Got it. So that's... So it's not applicable, essentially. Right. right. And that's... And you can train it to be. It's very difficult, but you can train it to be applicable where you can teach a student lines so that they know to say, oh, this is my name and uh, this is what I want. I want my boot. <laughs> or something angry, and they say, damn, damn, double damn. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So you Got can it. teach them to what lines to come in for the movie for. But, but that's challenging. It is, it's challenging because it's not a natural experience for them. Now, what might you do instead? Like, what might be an easier route to take instead of that? And we'll just touch on that really quickly because I have some other stuff I want to get yeah. to. So when you're saying instead of like teaching scripting? Yeah. So a lot of times what we use is a lot of visuals. So specifically for kids on the spectrum, they're visual learners. So they're following what they see more so than what they hear. Okay. Um, so if, for example, with one of my students, she would script all the time. Everything she said she had heard before. Oh, and, wow. Right. And that's essentially what we do as people, but she wasn't using it functionally. So, just a, a quick pause. Sure. So, if someone is functioning but using using scripting, mm -hmm. is it possible that all or the vast majority of what they say is essentially a quote from either a movie or something very specific that someone has said in their life? 
Um, so that's usually not a trained thing, but if, if they are, we call it echolalic. So what that means is they've heard it before and they repeat it. It's not something they thought of on their own. They're not taking those words and combining them to make a functional sentence to say what they want or what they need. Uh. It's them hearing what their parent has said or what the TV has said or uh, if they heard a student in the hallway. They'll repeat that because it's what they've heard. It's the way a... This is going to sound bad, but it's the way, like, you know, if you have a parrot. The parrot oh, hears you wow. say, okay. good yeah. morning. The parrot says, good morning, good morning. But it's not saying. It doesn't necessarily it doesn't mean. Know it meaning, doesn't know what it's saying. But it's just say. saying. Right. Got it. Now, it being the parrot, obviously not a child. Right. Right, right, right. That's just, that's an, an analogy to help you understand what it means. And we're about to get a one-star review. I know, right? <laughs> no, I'm just Dang. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All the angry parents coming after me, telling yeah, me what's right. up. Okay, here's Sarah's um, digits again. Oh, God, no. Yeah. <laughs> but. So I had a student who would use, um, she would do that where she would say just anything that she had heard, not anything functional. And what we started doing for her was we had a picture board. So if she said, I need a break, she would get very emotional because she couldn't say that she oh, wow. was overstimulated. So yeah. we had a picture that had a beanbag chair on it. That was her favorite thing to do when she was stressed out. So was to sit in the beanbag chair. Was to sit in the beanbag chair. It was her time to like be alone and to calm down. So uh -huh. instead of screaming all of a sudden, out, which seems out of nowhere, but meanwhile she's been saying her scripts all day and yeah. she'd be wanting us to understand what she's meaning and we couldn't understand. So we were training her to point to, I need a break rather than uh -huh. to get upset and throw things or bite or hit to point to I need a break. It's the combination of that visual. She sees the positive stimuli. She loves the beanbag. She points to that. She gets the beanbag. So anytime throughout the day, if she pointed to that, that was her opportunity to go to the beanbag and take a break instead of necessarily using a script or getting upset. Uh -huh. So you have to we were, this is just one way of doing it. Right, I'm sure there are plenty it. of others, but using a visual to help her express herself. Now that's only one, and I don't, I don't really want to dive too much into, you know, yeah. every single yeah, uh, potential thing, because I know that it's like a, a never ending, not never ending, but there are just countless. Yeah, and every kid is different, so. Yeah, and I imagine there could be combinations as mm -hmm. well, right? Where, Definitely. Like, you know, someone uses scripting along with something else. Yeah, it can be used as a strategy. Yeah. So, in looking at your day today, mm -hmm. not your day to day, your day to day at work, like yep. what you do, I know you have your own office space where you meet with kids. Mm -hmm. Now, what, what does that look like for you? Just to, like getting away from diagnosing and all of that, but yeah. just what's it look like for you? You know, you wake up in the morning, mm -hmm. you get ready, you drive into work, you have your coffee, you get there, yeah. then what? What happens? Okay, so uh, my day at school starts with morning bus duty. I go out and I usher in all the kids off the bus, um, and that takes about forty-five, a half hour to 45 minutes. Okay. So that's every teacher has a duty, and that's mine. Um, and that's probably common in schools. It is common okay. in schools. I don't really know. <laughs> I didn't know either, but in working in a school, that's pretty common. So after my morning duty, I go back to my room. Now, my room 
and this is something that all species will relate to, is um, you get a closet for an office. Oh. My office is the shared staff lounge um, and shared closet space and also temper tantrum room. So my room is anywhere that I can find space. Um, I have a table in my room. I have a computer and um, the communal printer. Mine was a a staff lounge that they turned into my room because they needed extra staff. Um, (coughs) Excuse me. So, thank you. So, I see my students in half-hour increments. So, I start seeing students between 9 and 9.30. Um, And it depends on what students are ready to see me and which ones are not. Yeah. Um, So, my schedule can change just based on my population. But... So can I, you, you, oh, so sometimes it could be like a bunch. You're not necessarily po- focusing a ton of attention on one kid. Right. So I, I do take groups. Um, I'm also at a middle school. I, I'm oh. split part time. So three days I'm at an elementary school and then two days I'm at a middle school. Got it. So for the three days that I'm at the elementary school, I see kids one on one just because it's a very high needs setting. Uh, so they can't necessarily tolerate group work. But in the middle school, I see only groups because most of my kids can handle that. Um, So I see about anywhere from probably 8 to 15 kids in a day. Okay. And it could depend on the day. But typically, I see them for a half an hour. Um, Each kid has an IEP, which is an individual education plan, and that says what their goals are and how many speech sessions they will have. Um, either I'm the one that developed that plan for them or they come in with that. Uh. Um, so I have to follow that by law. So I see them for that amount of time and I have all year to meet th- those hours. So it's a typical day for me. I see kids probably from 9 to 1 back to back. Then I get a quick lunch break sometimes. And then I... <laughs> Depends. Yeah, it's not common, but mm. sometimes I get a lunch break and then I see kids until 3.15. So my school day, well, the kids' school day is 9.05 to 3.25. So I uh-huh. start seeing kids... No, Yeah. 9.05. Sorry, we're on summer vacation right now, so I'm trying to remember. <laughs> 9.05 to 3.25. That's the school day. So yeah. I see kids from like 9.30 to 3. And that's then typical. do you stick around after for a long time or do you kind of get to head home? So by contract, we have to stay for um, 20 minutes after the bell. Oh. So once the bell rings at 25, we can leave 20 minutes after that. Okay. That's um, like kind of a nice schedule. It's a lovely day. It's yeah. not bad at all. Um, yeah, that's definitely a perk. And yeah. you need that time to do insurance billing, which I didn't realize was another thing that you have to do in a school. So kids out there, remember that you have to do insurance billing. Which is? Which is you go online and you have to do a progress note every single day for each kid that has Medicaid. So if their family has Medicaid insurance, um, the district can get money back at the end of the year 
if you write in these progress notes. So you have to say what you did with the kid, for how long, and on what day. And it sounds every very day. like bureaucratic now. It is. Yeah, <laughs> it's like we're helping. We're getting nitty gritty. <laughs> and now it's bureaucratic. Yeah. And, okay. And that is a big part of working in a school. A lot of it is politics. Yeah. Which is a good thing to know. That is, because I think that a lot of people go into any type of education thinking yeah. this is gonna be so fun. I'm gonna and a teach. lot of it's school politics. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. Now, I know there's so much more, and I do have a lot more questions, but we are already going for a long time, yeah. <laughs> and it's late at night. We need to go to bed. We got it's things true. to do tomorrow. But yeah. is there anything of the utmost importance that I didn't touch on? Because I'm sure there is. Um, gosh, there's there's a lot of advice that I would love to give. Um, I think the biggest thing is knowing your worth, um, staying up to date. So if that means going online and reading journal articles or talking to other speech pathologists, right? that's hugely important. Things are constantly changing. Right. It's not like, again, English, like Shakespeare's not changing, Mm -hmm. but there could be a new discovery tomorrow about the way the voice works. Absolutely. Wow. And there are new discoveries every day. So staying up to date is super helpful. And also don't be afraid to try new things. You're going to try lots of different types of sessions, lots of different activities. Not all of them are going to work. In fact, probably most of them are going to flop the first couple of times you try. Um, But to not get bogged down by those failures and use them as a learning experience, know that each kid is an individual and try to apply that every time that you're doing those activities. Right. Don't distract the person. Exactly. Exactly. Awesome. Well, I wish that we had more time. I wish we could talk even more and get super detailed. (laughs) But thank you for doing this. Thank Uh, you for having me. You're my first. That sounded bad. Let's close (laughs) this out. Can you give us your favorite impression, whatever you're best at? Oh, now you're putting me on the spot. I'm not going to think of it at the time. Okay, give me Kermit because it was good. Oh gosh. <laughs> that wasn't. Give it's me terrible. another one. <laughs> You're still in it. <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> I can't do it. Well, uh, that's I tried. okay. <laughs> Let's Normally not judge I'm so you good on at your this. impressions. Yes. Well, oh, thank God, you for Mark. doing this. <laughs> You're the best. And uh, hope you guys learned a lot about speech pathology. If you have questions, comments, please don't be mean, but we'd be Let happy us to know. answer them. Yeah. Awesome. Woohoo. Thanks for having me. This is fun. I never figured out a way to sign off. <laughs> Bye, bitches. <laughs> Bye, bitches. <laughs> and I think that's the perfect end. <laughs> and I will record. All right. Is Sarah not the coolest person? And did you not learn so much from that? Seriously, she's so smart. Listening back to that, I was like, I still don't fully understand some of the stuff you're saying, but I just feel really smart after listening to it. So, yes. Okay, until next week, this has been Tell Me What You Do podcast. As always, it would be super appreciated if you could go leave us a quick review, or if you have any questions, you can find us on social media at Tell Me What You Do podcast on Facebook and on Instagram at at what you do podcast if you have questions you have anything message me dm me if you have a guest let me know i would love to talk to them because i only know so many people okay that's enough we'll see you next week when i was in chorus as a kid my chorus teacher used to say imagine 
the sound is going through the top of your head. So it's not coming out like through your... Oh, God. <laughs> through the top Wait, hold of your up. head. Go back, I can't say that. I can't put that in. I'm going to take a dark turn. <laughs> when you were in courts as a kid. 